It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au. Predict Australia's score with a crystal ball. And it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. Uh, we are utterly deli- too delighted to welcome into the show All Black number 915, of course, Grant. You'll remember that. Uh, he played 55 test matches off the top of my head. He scrambles around yet yeah, 55 test matches for the All Blacks. Prior to that, of course, though, um, he was uh, involved with Western Samoa uh, at the 1991 World Cup where they caused one of the biggest upsets in rugby uh, history to date. Yes, to date, uh, when they uh, beat the Welsh, um, formed one of the great midfield partnerships uh, New Zealand rugby has ever seen. It can only be Frank Bunce who joins us on the program. Mr. Bunce, welcome to the show. Morning, Frank. Good morning, gentlemen. Thank you. How things? Are you royal? Oh, we are great. We'd like to know, considering what's been going on in the United Kingdom, are you, in fact, royalty? And if so, how? <laughs> oh, shit. <clears throat> um, well, you know, geez. I don't know. It's history, it's, uh, and it's been known in the family in my, um, my mother's new side. For uh, for quite a long time, the story's been known. I wouldn't have a clue whether it's uh, whether it's true or not. But um, um, you know, what do they say? The, the gay abandon of the Pacific, and it stretches to uh, telling stories as well. So um, <laughs> I, I'm going to run with it because it's a good, you know, it's a pretty good story. Sounds like a resounding yes to me, yeah, Frank. Absolutely. That you Cate- are royalty. <laughs> Categorical, uh, direct lineage to King George the Third. In fact, so they say. So they say, um, <laughs> trader. Some, somebody, somebody had gone down through uh, Africa and become a trader and then branched out into the Pacific. And then that's where he sort of uh, met up with my, you know, my descendants. So uh, that's the story. What the hell? It's been around yeah, let's this go long, with that. So we, we might as well keep going with it. Exactly. No, no one can prove and, that and it's, I... it's not right. No, exactly. And you're definitely not taking a paternity test. Uh, and no one else's <laughs> either. Yeah. Um, uh, but but I'm guessing though when Frank Bunce first slapped on a pair of rugby boots or, or chucked a rugby ball around, it probably wasn't on the on on the rich alluvial plains of Balmoral and the like. Your, your earliest memories of playing footy, Frank, or what? Um, my earliest memories were um, were at Manukau, uh Rugby in in Auckland, and uh, that's the club that I um, well apart from playing on the on the grass on the you know in the backyard with the brothers and sisters and neighbourhood kids. Um, that's probably my earliest memories of, of rugby, but properly organised and, you know, requiring uh, requiring boots and uniforms and that is Manukau Rovers uh, up in Auckland, where I started, I was probably, I think I was like sort of seven, eight years old when I, when I joined that club. And it was the only one around, so, uh, you know, it kind of had to be. Frank, tell me about, I'm, I'm intrigued to know what backyard rugby would have been like with your brothers and, and neighbourhood, I guess everyone uh, sort of joining in. Was it full contact? Because you don't see kids oh, yeah. playing that oh. that much. It was full yeah. contact. It was definitely yeah, full good. contact. And there was, you know, there, I've got, uh, there was eight of us, you know, as a, as a family, four boys and four girls, and everyone played. And then all the neighbourhood kids, and it was back in the day, it was, there was, you know, there was a number of families around, 
the neighbourhood with big uh, big numbers, and uh, you know, male, female, you know, didn't even it didn't matter. Everyone just got stuck in and uh, and gave as good as they got, and um, you know that's kind of where you learned your trade, I think. Who was the referee? <laughs> yeah. The referee never came into it until someone started fighting or crying, or and that just happened to be happened to be uh, whoever the uh, you know the nearest parent was. Not that the you know the, the parents didn't take any act or any part in the uh, you know in the, in the game until um, until they had to you know come up, climb over the back fence and uh, grab someone by the ear and kick them up the up the backside and uh, you know. Then lay down the law for a little bit, and then then you carry on for another hour until it happens again. So, uh, well, there was no sighting. There was no sighting commissioners either, uh, which was the beautiful <laughs> thing about uh, about about backyard rugby. Uh, Frank, oh, you know, yeah. through college, then then into the club scene. You you were you were playing in Auckland in an era where there is a good argument to make that was the 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 most dominant provincial rugby side the world has ever seen. It was incredible talent. Um, you sort of struggled to to break through with that. Well, was it you due to you being a late bloomer, or were Auckland rugby selectors just useless back then? <laughs> um, probably a bit of both. You know, now that I've uh, now that I've gotten to a, a certain age, because you look back on things and it's like, geez, I, I I have come into everything. Everything that's kind of happened to me has happened to me a little bit later. So maybe I am a late bloomer. But um, but uh, you know, we shit there. The guys that we had in the team were, uh, you know, in, as you say, it was, a, it was a great era. And the guys in the team, you know, it was chock-a-block full of All Blacks. Um, and in my position, you know, Joe Stanley, trying to knock Joe Stanley out of it was, um, you know, was, was damn near impossible. And then Craig Innes come along, you know. So um, uh, you just, you just, you know, you bide your time and, and hope that um, hope that you get the call up. And, and I, you know, I did a, a couple of times, obviously, but... Just couldn't really break into a um, uh, into a regular position in in that particular team, and then we had the you know the the Samoa the World Cup in '91 coming up, so that was the thing really that pushed me to um, to make a move because I didn't you know I'm a bit of a homebody you know I I was at Manukau my whole life and played you know Auckland was my team so you know I was I was kind of there as far as I was concerned until the end, and then um, but then the, you know the, this opportunity came out of the blue with the um, with the World Cup, so forced my hand a little bit. Your, your memories of that tournament, because 1991 is a really big year for you. You make the move across the bridge to play for North Harbour, but of course Western Samoa, which, you know, you've got many a fond memory with Harbour, and we'll get into that in just a moment, but 1991, what, what does it mean to you today to be involved with that uh, that side that is rightly so still spoken about with great reverence? Oh, that was, um, that was pretty much the beginning beginning of it all you know for me um and had i not actually had that opportunity had i not you know taken it even um i wouldn't have made the all blacks and then you know we probably wouldn't be sitting here right now talking about uh you know the, the past so um you know it, it, it's everything for me really and um and i'm you know i'm still in touch with um with quite a few of the guys from there and as you say it's it is still spoken about um you know with reverence and um, then you go to Samoa, you know, and you still, I still get a lot of people who come through and, um, you know, and, and say good day and, you know, talk about that. And, you know, it, it, it is a, something of real pride for, uh, for Samoa. And, you know, it, I think it was the, pretty much the, um, you know, the, the kickstart for Pacific Island rugby 
as a whole. You know, obviously Fiji had, had played yes. in uh, earlier World Cup, and but you know we we kind of got success. You know that um, that some of the other teams didn't get, but you know it was a it was a um, uh, you know I, I think it was a an insight you know for the rest of the world as to as to what the Pacific Islands had to had to offer. When you beat Wales, you upset Wales in the first game that sent shockwaves around the rugby world. Um, what, what was the party like? You've got to celebrate that. I know, I know it's the first game of a tournament. You've got Australia up next. You know, you know favourites probably in 1991. They go on to win it. But was there pure joy after that Wales game? Oh, yeah, yeah. And, you know, that was, that was, a, that was a time when you could party as well. You could celebrate. And I think because <clears throat> we had Australia midweek as well. But you know, we were we were training every day, and we'd been there for well, I think we'd been there for a couple of weeks already, and you know, and and um, let's just say we enjoyed ourselves there in the lead up to it as well. So um, <laughs> you know, we got we got through that game, and we went out and we had a blast, and there were so many people that came down to you know came came. Um, from London, from all over the place, and you know, obviously from New Zealand and the, and the Pacific, they came uh, came down and, and cheered for us, and uh, and then you know they were all invited back to the hotel, and we just we had a great time. Um, but the coach reminded us um, that we were training the next day because <laughs> because we um, you know we were obviously playing Australia in a few days' time, but uh, it was you know, and back in those days, it was like you know you you play the game, yes. You celebrate it and you enjoy yourself, and then, you know, and then you get stuck in for the next one. And whatever you put in, you had to run it out the next day. So uh, they didn't, you know, we certainly weren't certainly weren't barred from from doing anything. But um, you know, geez, we were we were still going well into the night, and and then that that actually carried on after the Australian game, after the um, who did we play after that Argentina. <clears throat> you know, we we enjoyed ourselves. We trained really hard. We played hard, but we we had a good time. And um, Frank, there would have been one young Brian Lima, and the reason why I always remember him was not because of his crunching tackles, but also because of the nickname, the chiropractor. He would have been on tour with you as well. Yeah, jeez. You know, people, because <clears throat> um, he's got that reputation, obviously, but um, I, I say to people, man, you know, you think he was good, but, you know, when he was in his mid-30s, you should have tried to play it against him when he was 18 or 19 or 20. And he was, you know, that's that's where he really earned that nickname. He was a killer, that fellow. Jeez, <laughs> still is somewhat, you know. But um, I, I, I remember Matthew Cooper when uh, we played. Uh, I think it was the year before Samoa went on a bit of a tour, you know, through our internal tour of New Zealand, and we played Waikato. And um, Matthew Cooper took the ball, come in from fullback, and Brian Limar came off his wing and just, oh man, I still, you know, I can still see it now. And uh, still feel it. always used to remind Matthew Cooper of that, and he said, "Oh man, yeah, <laughs> that was." Uh, <clears throat> and you know, he was he was a, he was a big, strong lad, old Coops. But uh, man, yeah, Brian Lima. Oh, he's, well, uh, he's, I know, I know he, what know, Matthew. I'm, sorry, sorry, Frank. Carry on. I know. I know. I was just going to say, um, you know, Brian was was um, one of you know a lot of teams have got have one or two guys that might be able to do that, pull that off, but that was our, you know, that was our, our secret weapon, you know. Like a guy like Brian, there were, there were, you know, four, five, six, seven, eight people who could do that same thing, you know, in the team, and 
that was really what, uh, that, as I say, that was the secret weapon unleashed that on uh, on the um, the unknowing. Yes, you know, because Northern Hemisphere at that time, they didn't have a whole lot of experience with uh, the Polynesian uh, rugby player. So, um, uh, yeah, I think... I, I, I've, I've got to read this. This is a BBC match report after the Welsh game. Um, the Samoans clearly boasted by a talented lineup of Apollo Perolini, Frank Bunce, Brian Lima and Pat Lamb in their midst. But Bunce was already in the twilight of his impressive career. Um, that was before yeah. um, 1992... <laughs> where you debuted for the All Blacks at 30, you go on and play 55 test matches for them. The oddity of your first three test matches, I think you played them inside seven days against the World 15. Oh, how times have changed, Frank. But when you got that selection, um, was it gravy? What, were you, what, 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 what expectations did you have for yourself when you know, Laurie Maines and the selectors call you up in 92? Oh, man, yeah. I, um, I didn't really, you know, I wasn't expecting it. Because I'd um, obviously, as you, you you play rugby in New Zealand, you want to be an All Black. Um, so I tried. Um, you know, it wasn't working. And then my, my opportunity with Samoa came, and I thought to myself, once I'd once I'd um, agreed to play for Samoa, um, that my my uh, the hopes of becoming ever becoming an All Black were gone. And I was I was okay with that. You know, I made my choice. Okay, giving that a go, not a problem. Really, really enjoyed that World Cup, and you know, and some of the internationals we played, and the you know all, all the lead up and everything. So um, I was pretty much, you know, that 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 hope was gone. So um, to get the call from Laurie Means, because luckily for me, the All Blacks didn't have a um, a wonderful uh, '91 no. World Cup, and uh, you know there was rumblings and uh, much like's going on now. You know, there was a lot of rumblings with the the coaching setup and. And um, and some of the players, and then you know they did make the change, and uh, Laurie Means came in, and it's all it's all about timing, you know, and um, and a lot of times you actually have no control over over what goes on in your career. You know, all you can really do is try your best, and you know one coach doesn't like you, the next coach loves you, you know. So um, it's it's all about everything, sort of, um, you know, just coming together, and it's almost a perfect storm, you know. Everything comes together at the at the right time, but for me to yeah. get that call up and 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 have opportunity, Laurie, Laurie didn't promise me anything. He um, he just said, you know, I'll give you a shot. I'll you know I'll put you in the trial because I think you still got something to offer. He said, you know, I don't care how old you are, because I think you still got something to offer, and I'll give you a trial if you if you're keen. And you know, then it all surfaced again. It's like, oh man, you know, I really want to be an All Black. Yeah, um, I've always wanted to be an All Black. So I thought, okay, I'll do it, and then um, you know, just uh, just went on with that. But I had no expectation. I was just going to go out there, and because you, especially when you first get in, I think you, you know, you just want to take care of what's happening now. You know, you've got no long-term goals. It's like, I, I you know, I want to make sure that I can do the best that I can in this next game. Okay, and then, you know, and that changes. Not that you don't ever want to do your best, but. You know, your focus kind of changes. You know, you start looking ahead a little bit more if you become um, a little bit more settled in the team. So um, at the beginning, no expectation. I just wanted to get out there and, and play and do what I had to do. But um, as time wore on and you become a bit more experienced with it, you know, and, and, and you know your game too and you know the international game and, you know, what you can do and and all of that, then, you know, things, things change. So... Um, 
Yeah, yeah, and I must admit, I, I became a lot calmer. You know, once I um, once I I settled my it was it was the psychological side of it really for me that was uh, that needed the the work, and I became a lot calmer and a lot more steady. And uh, you know, um, yeah, once I'd figured that out. Frank, uh, two of your more uh, famous series and um, games, I guess, or moments in your career. And it's great to hear how the stars aligned during your career from those uh, backyard rugby days. Um, 95 World Cup, um, obviously that was deeply disappointing to lose that one at Ellis Park. And then quite a, 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 I guess the converse to that was the 96 series in South Africa. Um, Can you run us through your feelings during those times? Starting with the World Cup. Oh, yeah. Yeah, um... You know the World you're Cup getting was, sick or something? Um, Are you getting sick? Are you, you're a bit sick. Has Susie been around? No, <laughs> no, no, no. I've uh, I've been drinking. I've been sitting here at uh, drinking this coffee. <laughs> and uh, <clears throat> sorry, yeah, yeah. I'm just clearing my throat because uh, you know, you know what uh, bloody milk and cream and stuff does, yeah. <laughs> but um, no, they, they, you know that uh, leading into the World Cup. Um, I, th- I think, I th- you know, I'd have to say that 95, probably 95 World Cup, and then, as you mentioned, that 96 tour, I think they were kind of the highlights of, uh, you know, of, of um, my career. Leading up to that, uh, we didn't have a great 1994, but, um, you know, a lot of that was put down to, um, put down to, um, you know, preparing, um, you know, and, and selecting a team for, um, you know, for 95. And we, you know, we lost, we lost a, a, a fair bit in '94, and um, but '95, <clears throat> everything I thought was, um, you know, it was awesome. The, the, the tournament itself was great. Um, you know, had some really strong teams there, and, and in South Africa, you know, for that first time, it was, it was it was so awesome. So I really enjoyed the whole the whole thing, the tournament itself, and obviously the only downside was the fact that we didn't win the final. But, um, you know, that hurts, obviously, in the moment. But um, now, you know, you look back on things, you know, all these years later, um, and it was actually the best thing that could have happened. You know, not, not, not for us, but, you know, for South Africa and for, uh, for rugby as a whole. So um, I, think, uh, I think it worked out, you know, the best way. Um, <clears throat> leading into 96, you know, there were... There were um, there were coaching changes and personnel changes and you know a lot of that going on, but we, as, as usually happens, you know we we end up with guys like um, you know like I think Christian Christian Cullen burst onto the scene early '96 I think it was, um, you know and we were getting guys people just put their hands up you know and then. Um, so '96, we got a whole lot of new new guys in, and they turned out to be awesome. And the team was, you know, we had a great mix, and we had a coaching change, and you know, it was just a bit of, uh, you know, some some new ideas, and you know, you know, freshen things up a little bit. Um, so that was great, and turned out to be a fantastic sort of '96 and and '97, really, with that most of that team. So um, yeah, I think I think it ended ended pretty well for me, really. Um, but yeah, probably the t- 95, 96, 97, probably the three best years, really, when you think about it, of, of my career. 
the guy inside you, for a large portion of that, not only with the All Blacks, but also um, at North Harbour, one Walter Little. Um, you know, you guys are joined at the hip as far as the, the, I guess the psyche of New Zealand rugby fans. Wonderful partnership. Um, great mates, right? You had, you know, um, equal amount of fun off the field as on it. Um, it. Was that a key to why it worked so well? I, I, yeah, I, I think whether it was a key or not, um, well, well, the fact that we actually, you know, we spent, a, as you say, a bit of time together off the field, but we had, um, <clears throat> you know, we played for the Chiefs as well, yeah, North Harbour. We, we did, we got on, and, you know, we knew each other's play, and um, and I think, uh, <clears throat> well, yeah, he was definitely the best second five that I, you know, that I played with. Um, you know, yeah, outstanding skills, and, you know, a lot of it just natural as well. So I uh, really enjoyed playing, you know, with Walt. But, yeah, I, th- I think that's hugely important, <clears throat> um, you know, being able to form combinations. And you look, you know, f- later on with um, with Conrad and Ma. You know, so um, so I think, um, yeah, I think in certain in certain positions, the combination is, is vital. And, um, you know, that's exactly how we, we ended up with me and Walt. Hey, Frank, um before we wrap it up, one thing that I think is so important is that, you know, kids are playing community sports and I love hearing the fact that, you know, you were in the backyard with your your brothers and sisters playing full contact rugby and I don't think we see enough of that. And I, I want to be a big promoter of community sport because I think it brings families, brings communities together. What advice do you give to parents and, and kids? I mean, you, you had uh, five children yourself, um, I think. Um, Six. What advice... Six, six children, sorry, I don't know how you had the time to play rugby. Um, but what advice do you give to the um, parents and, and children around um, playing the game and being passionate about it? Oh, I, th- I, think it's, um, I think it's just about uh, the parents allowing you know, the kids to sort of find their way. And you know, I'm not, not just saying this about rugby. Uh, you know, rug- rugby's obviously my game, but... Um, you know, I think it's important that uh, that kids are given the um, opportunity to play play anything and everything. You know, and and uh, they tend to find what they're good at, and uh, and usually stick with it. But um, it gives you so much. Uh, you know, the the sport, and not just rugby as well. Um, you know, we're because my sisters all played hockey, and then, you know, we had netball. We had we had so many things going on. So, um, you know, I'm really, really... But it, it wasn't a time where, you know, there were no cell phones, there were no video games, there were no, you know, no other distractions. So, um, basically, my parents were just, um, you know, get out there and do whatever you want. And, uh, you know, it was, a, it was a kind of a different time. But, um, you know, I'm grateful that I had that opportunity. So, to parents, I would just say, you know, just allow your, your kids a, a little bit of... Um, a little bit of freedom, I think, in terms of of doing that, because um, you never know, you know, who you got or what your child could turn mm. into. But um, yeah. there are there are no downsides, you know, to to sport, to allowing kids to, um, you know, to get involved in sport. There are only, I think, there are only upsides because you know that takes away, because um, you know, what do you do if you're not doing anything here? You know, you start getting itchy fingers, and then they start going places where they shouldn't, and you know, you um, your, your time gets taken up by other things. But 
you know, you involve people in sport, they learn how to, for me, you know, you learn how to interact with people, um, social skills, uh, mm. and you never know who you, you know, who you might, that's a great thing about rugby as well is, you know, the rubbish man or the, the labourer, you know, on Saturday afternoon, he's playing with the doctor and the dentist and the, the CEO, <laughs> you know, and then they go and have a beer and, and um, you know, playing with or against them, you know, and you go and have a beer and everybody's the same for the weekend. And then, and then you go back to your to your life, but um, you make friends for, you know, for life. Um, and, uh, you know, that can only be good for you, as far as I'm concerned. And you travel the well, world Frank- and, you know, there's, there's so many pluses. Yeah, you've got to be good to travel the world, though, Frank, which you were, though. Uh, us mere mortals. Well, Grants. Actually, I'm the only man out here. I'm, I'm shrinking uh, as I say this. Uh, thanks so much. It's been great to, to have you on the program. We, we really do appreciate it, Frank. Thanks so much. Yeah, awesome, Frank. Uh, pleasure. Uh, absolute legend, and you are a true legend and friend of SCNZ. I'd love to have you back on the show if you're ever keen, and, and awesome to hear your insights yep, not, no on how worries. you got to get to the great heights that you did. Pleasure. Pleasure, gents. Give me a call anytime. I look forward to that. Uh, Frank Bunch joining us, All Black 1, number 915, prior to that, uh, part of the very famous Western Samoan side uh, from the 1991 World Cup, causing, you know, to this day, one of the biggest upsets in rugby. Boy, what a career.